I'm here with Coach Hines, and I'm Coach Ty. And before we get into our first topic, Coach, I just want to congratulate you guys on uh, you guys just ended your season Friday night uh, against a very good uh, football team. Unfortunately, you know it wasn't uh, a victor- victory, but the season overall is is a big improvement of last season. Yeah, it's been a blessing. Thank you. We uh, last year when I took over the program, we were two and eight, which uh, is not lighting the world on fire for anyone. And so we finished up Friday night, as you said, uh, seven and three. So a great turnaround. The, the guys are buying into the program. A lot of things are going right, and uh, we're getting ready for uh, our first. We're hosting the first round of the playoffs at our place this uh, Friday night. Uh, it's kind of a revenge match from last year, right? It is. It is. We're facing uh, Chula Vista High School, and uh, we we were two and eight last year, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, and. Shouldn't have been in the playoffs, but we were the 12th seed. How, I don't know. But we faced them last year, and uh, we, we got our teeth handed to us. They, they beat the snot out of us. Oh, definitely. And uh, they, they, they played a great game. They, they weren't chippy or dirty or anything, but we just got beat up. So, yeah, this is definitely a nice little uh, redemption opportunity. Oh, definitely. And what's nice is that you didn't lose many players from last year, so you're able to build upon your program more this year to where you're a lot more successful than you were last year. Not saying last year wasn't successful because, you know, if you – Look at success just with wins and losses. Um, I think you're almost looking at the wrong thing. You're just looking at you're, the building blocks are there for the following season. Correct. So, and you guys put those building blocks in the right place, and looks like it's uh, working out for you. Yeah, we're 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 getting there. Yeah, it's a blessing every day. It also helps that you have those awesome coaches and those good players coming back. And you know, it, it's funny. We always talk about you know to to be successful at any sport. You know, where we're talking. You know, obviously, our whole point of this podcast is to emphasize the importance of so much more than just the game. But to get those wins that allow us to keep coaching, you have to have players that make the plays, and you have to be surrounded by great coaches. And uh, we we, we fortunately are are helping our players to become better every day, and as coaches, surrounded with great men, and uh, ourselves are are improving and getting better every day as well. That's funny that you mentioned players. It just so happens to be our topic today. The topic is being coaches' favorite. And I know that every coach is out there have probably heard this before, or heard parents talk about it, or other players that, you know, a coach only plays that person because he's their favorite. Well, why, why are they their favorite, you know? Yeah. Is it because, you know, they're working hard or whatever? But that's the topic we're going to go in today. Um, every coach has heard it. And uh, I think one of the – you put a video on Twitter not too long ago about a conversation that you heard. Yeah, it's, it's funny because so often I hear – like you said, parents in the stands or, or players or people mention favorites, and it's with a, a negative tone. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, they play favorites. And I had overheard a young man talking about uh, to a teammate about a coach playing favorites. And uh, I pulled him aside, and I said, who? And he mentioned the coach. And I said, you know, we all have favorites. We all, we all play favorites. And he goes, you don't. And like, as I mentioned in the video, he was adamant about it. His eyes lit up. He goes, you don't. And I said, yeah, I do. I do. Mm-hmm. I play favorites. And he looked at me. I said, listen, we all have favorites. So what, what Coach Ty and I want to do now is kind of break down what, what it takes to become a coach's favorite. We want to get into, dive a little bit deeper into what we feel, our opinions, uh, make the players we've had over the years um, become our favorites. You know, one of the first ones that, uh, in no, no particular order here, but one is understanding their role. Definitely. Not every player is going to be a starter. 
You know, and, and you see that from Pop Warner or Little League all the way through the, the NFL or Major League Baseball or any sport. There are some of the best quarterbacks ever are never starters. Right. You know, and, and people kind of shake their head at that or tilt their head. And what I mean by that is they have to be that look squad guy. They have to be that guy that gives the defense or gives the batters or whatever it is um, the best look they can to prepare them for that week. So I think one of the first things in my mind that makes a player one of my favorites is understanding their role. And sometimes their role is being that starter, and sometimes it's just not just being a backup, but embracing their role as a scout team player. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you know, one thing is that you know, on the baseball side too, is like when you roll in, when the kids roll into high school, you know, you may have been, uh, you know, the starter shortstop for, for years, you know, on your little league team, but when you roll there, you know, kids transfer in. Uh, to the school district or, you know, someone else from a different little league that's there could be, you know, end up being better than you. And you got to accept the fact, okay, you know, hey, I'm a second baseman now. Or, you know, you throw the ball hard. So you might, you know, you might be the starting pitcher, but you're only good for a couple innings. But you end up be, might be middle of relief or a closing pitcher and be able to embrace um, what the coaches see in you. It's not a punishment. It's just like, okay, this is what we see in you that's going to help the team overall. And when I say the team overall, you know, it's like being selfless. You know, being selfless is a great characteristic of, of, a, of a player who um, is a coach's favorite because they show, they show up early, early for, uh, for practice. Um, they put others in front of them. Um, they'll work harder to push others, not just to take their spot, but to push them to make the team better. Uh, and that's one of my favorite spots. Yeah, you you, met, you mentioned showing up early. That's one of my, my biggest pet peeves in any uh, sports situation is when you have a, a team meeting. Mm-hmm. And we always tell our players, if the meeting's at 4 o'clock or practice starts at 4, be there by 3.55. Be in the classroom five minutes early. And the great majority always are. You know, it, it kind of kills the flow sometimes when you want to get started and you, you have to make sure all your players are there when some, someone shows up late. Definitely. And w- there are always... Um, the exceptions to the rule, and they're always, you know, life happens and there are emergencies that come up. But 99% of the time, you know, a person that is re- late repeatedly, it's a choice. Yes. You know, so, so those players that when you walk into the room, you know they've been there for a few minutes already. They had a chance to bond with their teammates and talk about the day or just unwind. Uh, showing up early, and I also think, you know, not being the first ones to head out of the field when practice is over. You know, I, I love when the captains and other players look around the field and you see them looking around just because they want to check to make sure everything mm-hmm. has been picked up. I think showing up early, staying late. Um, you also mentioned being selfless. You know, we had a young man this year, a captain, voted as a captain. He was a wide receiver his freshman, sophomore, and junior year. And no one outworked him. He showed up to every workout. He showed up to practice. He was that kid that showed up early to things and, and, and stayed late to make sure everything was put away. But he, he wasn't the fastest. He had average hands at best. And as we rebuilt our culture, we needed him at line. So uh, I talked to three young men where we had to make that switch. Two of them quit. Mm. Two quit. They, 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 they saw their role as, as different than where the team needed them. And it was unfortunate they chose to walk away. But this one particular uh, young man chose, accepted the challenge, if you will, to be that selfless team player, to go from being a receiver – and he had all the gear, the receiver's gloves, and all that stuff. Um, and he's one of the best guards we have now. Wow. He, you know, he's undersized, but he pulls like no other. 
and uh, he can get off to the next level. But uh, it, it's young men like that, young women, that uh, really embody what team's all about. You know, I want to go back to uh, showing up early, uh, staying late. Uh, one of the things, too, us as coaches, too, we, we don't just show up to practice and go on a win. We have plans. We have plans in place, ready to go. Um, and one of our, if one of your leaders from your team show up late all the time, you know, it's going to be tough to get that, that continuity into the plan. you got to adjust a little bit. And, and that doesn't help not just the coach, but the team as a whole. So it's, it is selfless showing up late or self, self, selfish. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Can't speak today. But, uh, you know, showing up early, staying up late, you know, staying late is, is, is very important because it just shows leadership, uh, number one, to, to the, the coaches and your other players. You know, this guy's staying late. He's one of our better players. He, you know, we're going to stay up late and stay late and help clean up the field and, and uh, get get things ready for the next day. You know, I, I know one of the big things being high school coaches, you know, especially in the CIF area, that grades are very, very uh, important. Um, you know, one thing to show that show that you are dependable to coaches, making sure your, your grades are up. And, you know, we're not expected, you know, it, it would be nice that all our students and all our student athletes are straight-A student, students, but the reality is, not everybody's a straight A student, you know. You may have a C minus student or whatever, but you know, as long as I would say, as long as you're showing, as far as dependable, um, that you know, you may be a C student, but you are getting extra help. You're getting tutors. You're showing up. So I know Kurt, you have a uh, tutor session for for the football players, and some show, some some don't. But you know, the cool thing is, is like those straight A players uh, um, knowing your role. Going back to knowing your role, a straight A uh, student. Might be able to help you know your number one player on the team stay eligible for the whole season, and maybe show him something to where you know, hey, this is very important, and he'll be able to you know, or she will uh, work harder at getting those grades up, and, and it'll be easy for them and show you know, and especially for the coach. And halfway through the season, you're not making crazy adjustments because your best player is out. Well, that's just it. We we talk to our guys often. We do weekly grade checks for that reason. You know, we we tell them if you get a something below a seventy four. Or 74 or below, you have a mandatory study hall. And it's not to, to be a burden to them or to hound them. Uh, just the contrary, it's to remind them that when you sign up for a team sport, it's no longer about yourself. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what sport it is, you've signed up to be a part of something greater than just you as an individual. And as you mentioned, Coach, it's there's nothing worse as your team starts rolling and, and, and getting those wins and you start having the blessing of looking towards the playoffs starting to, you know, having to wonder or worry about a certain player's eligibility. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, when it comes down to favorites, if I know a player is a student athlete, keyword being student, that, that, that makes me so happy because I know we can count on them when, when the, the, the tough part of the season comes. You know, everyone's excited for the start of the season. You know, you get to the middle of the season and the grind, it gets a little tough no matter how great the sport is. When you get to the playoffs, it's such a blessing. And depending where we live, you know, my first – 17 years coaching was in New Hampshire where we'd start in August, 105 degrees, ter terrific, and I mean that in a bad way, terrific humidity. <laughs> and uh, once you get to the playoffs, there's snow and ice and sleet and hail, and, and you love everything about it. But it was tough to keep the guys motivated coming out there. Um, so when they have that and the grades, it's, it's fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, the, the, you and me both today are yeah. um, <laughs> we, we also talk about being coachable. You know, and, and really, I think if we had to put these in order, I mentioned earlier they're not in any particular order, probably number one for me would be, you know, selfish or being coachable hand in hand. 
Um, we talk about eye contact all the time. You know, you need a firm handshake and eye contact. And we know, and you've been there with me, Coach, that at the end of every practice, and I've never asked the players to do this. They did it in my program uh, in New Hampshire as a head coach. They do it now. They, every player walks through and shakes every coach's hand, and I love that. Um, being coachable, so much of that is is when a coach gets on you, and whether it's in practice or a game, and they have to be tough on you. And I'm not talking about attacking a kid and their character, but when you've got to get on top of them and you've got to correct uh, what they're doing, do they then still have that eye contact? Mm-hmm. Do they then look at you and respond with a yes, coach, and you know they're saying because they want to get better? Or are they saying, yes, coach, but you know inside they're like, coach, shut up. I, I've, I've heard enough right. and I, I want to move on. And that, that screams character for me when, when, it, when a young man is coachable. And, and the greatest athletes, you know, I'm a Cowboys fan, so this pains, pains me to say this, but <laughs> arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time is Tom Brady. And, and, and you, you can't help but wonder how many times he has gone to other experts who have never played the game to his level but he's seeking always more information. You know, you want players like that, players that are not just coachable when you coach them up, but they, they thrive upon that and they search it out. They, they ask for the honest feedback because that's the only way they're going to get better. Um, tough kids, you want, you want to talk, talk on tough kids a little bit? Yeah, tough kids definitely goes uh, back to being coachable too. Uh, and when we say tough, you know, it's mentally and physically tough because sometimes when you're coaching, you're going to – you're going to have to bring home the point. And what I mean by that, you're going to have to be probably a little bit louder, a little bit more forceful. A little, little intense. A little more intense, yeah. Um, you know, to where you're, you know, I, wouldn't say, I hate to use the word yelling, but your your voice is raised and you're yelling and you just want them. They're not getting it. But then you see the kid or the, 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 the athlete just kind of like, you could tell they're taking it in. And one thing, you know, going back to that mentally, I remember my son when he became a freshman um, and he decided to play football here in Panita. And, you know, my house lives right, I'm I'm like right there next to it. So I hear the coaches yelling all the time, yelling and yelling and yelling. And so my son went to practice, got yelled at, and he was, you know, like, God, the coaches just yelled at me. And I said, well, son, you know what you really need to do is you can tone out the yelling and just listen to the words that are coming out of their mouth. Because the words that are coming out of their mouth, and they're just being more forceful when their words are coming out, is is they're trying to coach you up, trying to hype you up and get... Because football is a violent sport. Yes, it is. It's a very violent sport to hype you up because if you're not violent, you're going to get dominated. And and I believe that, you know, get, bringing home the point more forcefully, the kids can mentally take it during the game as well. You know, the physically, um, you know, being physically fit... Uh, my uh, son's cross country coach says, you know, and, and you can see this too, Kurt, and myself as foot. You know, you only get so much for these uh, with these kids, uh, two two to three hours maybe after school, um, but physically, they need to go on a little more, you know, um, a little more after uh, to to get themselves ready for it because it's easy to show for game day, but finishing game day. And that's the pro- that's the hard part there. And you got to get yourself physically fit and mentally fit to physically, physically and mentally finish that game all the way either nine innings or all four quarters. Yeah, yeah. I shared with our team Saturday morning at our, our practice. I was driving over the Coronado Bridge to go home Friday night after you know, as we mentioned earlier, you know, our last regular season game, and we got beat up pretty bad. But I felt such a peace. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I explained to the team, it, it, it took me a few minutes to realize why I felt so good about it because, man, I hate losing. Yeah. But it, it, it was their eyes. And I told them, there were so many of the young men throughout the entire game that would come after the other team scored or after we turned the ball over or whatever the case was. And you saw the fight in their eyes. They, they didn't hang their heads. They didn't mm-hmm. quit. That, that's the mental toughness I love. Definitely. You know, it, it's easy to be mentally tough and have character when you're winning. Mm-hmm. But when you're losing... What then? As far as the physically tough, you know, I, I know, and I'm not sure in baseball, but in football, we have what we call the pup list, P-U-P, physically unable to perform. And usually that's, that's determined by a, a team, uh, not manager, but uh, I'm drawing a blank in the word, trainer, or the team trainer. And then we're blessed with a great one where I am now. But uh, I know when I was playing in high school, it, it was, man, you didn't want to be put in the pup list. You know, you'd rather lo- lose a leg or lose an arm than, than to have someone say that you were physically unable to perform. Somewhere along the lines, and I'm not blaming society or parents or whatever, I think you know, as there's a generation, and this does fall on the parents, I think, but of where everyone gets a trophy, I think the pup list has changed from physically unable to perform to psychologically unwilling to mm-hmm. perform. There's a difference. You know, and we tell kids, you know, especially in football, that you, you, you can't you know, rub some dirt in it and toughen up when it's a head injury. Right. You have to be smart when, when it's, you're dealing with your head. But as far as other parts of your body, you have to listen to your body. You have to communicate and be honest with the coach and the trainer. But, man, physically and mentally tough players, man, they are some of my favorites. Yes, definitely. And I would tell you, I always told people for baseball, I would take a team full of scrappy players that go home with their dirty uniform over just having elite athletes all the time. You know, just blue, because... Blue-collar workers. Blue-collar yeah. workers, exactly. You know, and I'll share a story, too. Is, uh, you know, there's some... I have a third baseman there, and the ball's hit right down the line. And to me, I felt that he could have got it. And I was like, well, why didn't you dive for it? Well, I couldn't have got it, coach. I said, how do you know? Have you ever tried it before? He goes, no. And I said, so every time a ball's hit down there, I want you diving after it from now on. And the next one hit off his glove. Next one he caught. Didn't get the throw off. Then the, the, you know, and then it's a progression. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, as far as going back to coachable, the kids got to understand you know, learning a new uh, physical standard for themselves is a stepping block. You know, you're going to do this and then you're going to do that. And then eventually, you know, it's going to be muscle memory. It's going to be natural for you. There's going to be nothing, you know. So uh, I think a lot of mentally, for the mentally tough kids need to, you know, just try it. Yeah. And and really mental toughness is like building a muscle in the weight room. You don't go in and do squats and all of a sudden have these massive thighs. Correct. You know, it it takes time. It builds upon each other. You know, you, you touched a little bit on the off-season training. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to get on a soapbox for a second here. Go for it. Hate's a strong word, Coach, but I hate, 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 hate when parents or coaches tell their children or student-athletes to just play one sport. Mm-hmm. I truly believe it, it's either out of ignorance or selfishness. So when I talk about off-season training, I want our young men that are passionate about other sports to play those sports. I tell them, if you are, play that, get in the weight room twice, three times a week for 20 minutes. Do the core list and get out. But I want them to play the, the other sports. For the young men that don't play other sports, I love some of my favorite players are the ones that I see year-round because I've always done the strength and conditioning with my teams year-round. And you get to develop those relationships with them. Um, you know, when I hear a young man is, or a young woman is going to a personal trainer, I, I always cringe because I know my background and my experience. I don't have all the answers, but like you, we've trained for years, we've studied a lot, we've been to different clinics and seminars, we know what we're doing. There are those programs out there that don't. 
So I think those personal trainers can be fantastic um, supplements when you don't have a team or a coaching staff that knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I also don't mind, I think the personal trainers can be fantastic when those student athletes go to them in addition to training with the team. Mm -hmm. But I've never seen a case where a young man trains with a trainer and not the team where it ends up being one of my favorite players. You know, because it's the guys that show up that train with their, their buddies year-round or even if they're playing other sports, come in with their buddies when they can. Um, go to the trainer in addition to, but not, not you know, in place of working with the team. Um, we, I know we want to wrap up here in the next, you know, four minutes or so, but uh, character. We, we had talked about, you know, so often in practice, there's a college scout there. You see the kids, they're communicating more, you know, in baseball and football, they're talking more with their teammates, their, their step is a little bit lighter, they're running to the field faster. I, I want our players to talk to the custodians the same way they talk to college scouts. Mm -hmm. uh, scouts. I want them talking to the officials the same way they would speak to their coaching staff with the same respect. Um, that, that holds a lot of weight for me as far as character. You know, not speaking differently to a freshman than they would to another senior. Right. You know. Yeah, if they do that, it's uh, and I hate the word use the word practice, but if they're constantly doing that, it's going to be second nature, and it doesn't look fake or phony or you know or uh, not non rehearsed. It should be just natural anyway. Yeah, yeah. And we talk about leaving a legacy. I mean, one of the last things we mentioned here before we recap, we'll just read down the list of things that make. Uh, what we believe a player, one of their coach's favorites, leaving a legacy. You know, I, I think of a young man I coached back in New Hampshire, and I'm not going to mention his name. I, I, I've been blessed to coach too many great young men, but there's one that comes to mind for me. Um, he was a beast. He was a linebacker and a fullback, so, so that might give a little bit away to anyone back east listening, but it, it was just he, he had all these things. He had the intangibles. He had the character, the respect, that he was coachable. Um, and he left a legacy, you know, and it wasn't that we as coaches were always talking about so-and-so, but the players that played with him and the younger players that looked up to him when they were freshmen, sophomores, and juniors, there was just something different about him, you know, and, and, and win or lose, he conducted himself in a manner that screamed selfless team player, loved everything about him. Uh, do you want, do you want to just go through the list here of, uh, sure. The, the whole list that we've gone through is, uh, Examples of what makes a, a favorite player for uh, Coach Kurt and I. Uh, understanding their role. Uh, showing up early and staying late. Being selfless. Being dependable. Being coachable. Being a tough kid mentally and physically. Using the off-season training. And uh, keeping good character. And then finally, uh, which Coach Kurt just finished up, was leaving a legacy. And I, I think for me, the, the final piece I want to add, if you want to close this out, is the next time you hear a parent or a player complaining about a coach playing favorites, share one of these with them. You know, let, let, let's use this, you know, hopefully to empower our young men, the parents. You know, if, if you don't like that coaches plays favorites, become one of their favorites. Mm -hmm. Do all these things, to, you know, and you might be doing some, some of them now. And I guess the disclaimer is, yeah, we understand sometimes it's daddy ball. Sometimes the head coach or one of the other coaches happens to have a son that plays quarterback. And unfortunately, it happens at, at many levels, and it's never a good thing. But 99% of the time, if you want more playing time, become one of the coach's favorites by doing some of these things. Yeah, and definitely you want to challenge your kids to do that. You know, give them, give them a goal. And uh, so they can, you know, feel 
So when they look back, when they turn 40 years old and they're doing podcasts and, you know, stuff for kids, they can look back and just realize, okay, I did everything I could, but that person was just better than me, and, but I gave it all, gave them 100%, and I left it all out on the field, and I regret nothing. So. Amen. Yeah, Amen. so. So, 24 minutes, almost on the dot. This is episode three. Uh, our topic was being coach's favorite, and that's for what it's worth coaching podcasts, two coaches' opinions of what matters most. We'll talk to you guys next week. Stay strong. For what it's worth, coaching podcast is brought to you by GameStrat. No more waiting for clips to load or having devices disconnect. GameStrat delivers videos instantly to devices and maintains a strong connection the entire time of your game. Coach Hides has been using this this whole time with Coronado, and we're wondering how, how did it uh, help out your game and coaching strategies during the game, Coach? All I'm going to say is, coaches, if you're not using GameStrat, you're missing out. It is the latest cutting-edge uh, technology where no longer do we have to wait till Saturday mornings during film session to break down and correct mistakes we're making in live time. We have the opportunity within seconds to get the play that we just ran on the iPad right in front of us, in front of our players, to show them how we can correct it and continue to move forward in the game. It's like making halftime game adjustments during the game. It's game-changing. We uh, also get to give them a shout-out for their their customer service. They are top-notch. Whenever we reach out to them, they get to us right away, fix any issues we may be having, and uh, help us get back on track. It's uh, it's something you I wouldn't want to coach again without. Cool. That's great to hear. And thanks again, Came Strap, for helping us out. We'll talk to you later. Bye.